And back from a tour of Brazil, <laughs> Michael Hansen. Welcome. Thank you, Sir William. We're trying to get a bit more high church. <laughs> Good luck. Okay. Because of, not because of you. Okay. So, uh, Bill... <laughs> Bill uh, was saying we're, we've been in this series, uh, Joshua, a person of, <clears throat> of influence, and uh, uh, one of the goals of this series is, uh, is to challenge each one of us to be you know, more aware of, more convinced of, and more engaged with the fact that we have all been called to influence. In fact, this is not an elective. This is a class you're in, whether you want to be in it or not. And I think Danny, when he kicked it off, he, he really uh, focused on this, that, that influencing, really it's more what we do or who we are than what we, what we say. And this really uh, hit home with me back in, way back in uh, 2008, I resigned my p- position down at Vineyard Columbus and moved up here to VCDC. And on my last day, they had a big party. Uh, uh, the president was there. It was uh, just really big. We had Black Forest cake. I remember that. But I got a whole bunch of cards, uh, goodbye cards, like, Mark, it was great working with you, and, uh, but, <laughs> but one of the, uh, that's like nine years ago, and there's, of all the cards I received that day, there's one that I've hung on to and kept, and, and it was from my, uh, my admin, her and I had worked together for almost, uh, almost four years, and she said this in her card, she said, I want you to know that in all these years uh, that I've worked with you, I've learned more from watching how you live your life than I have from all the sermons I've heard. And that's really encouraging now as I prepare to give a sermon, but, uh, but I've kept that card because one, it's, it's encouraging, but when I read that card, it really was an eye-opener to me. I hadn't really clued in that I'm being watched. It really hit home like, oh, oh boy, I better clean up my act. I mean, that, think about that. We're all being watched. If you've said yes to Jesus, part of what you've signed up for is this. It's, it's a being an influencer. And, and here on planet Earth, and this is in your notes, here on planet Earth, you and I, we are Christ's ambassadors. We're his ambassadors. Paul said in uh, 2 Corinthians 5.20, he said, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. And what's an ambassador? Here's a definition. It's a, uh, an, an ambassador is a diplomatic official of the highest rank, sent by one sovereign or state to another as its resident representative. Now think about that. What, what you and I are as we, as we live our lives. We are resident representatives of Jesus. We're ambassadors. I mean, that... Doesn't that really hit home as though God were making his appeal through us? And uh, uh, what we want to look at this morning in this series, you know, a person of influence is, we want to look at uh, a person of influence is a good follower, right? A person of influence is a good follower. And, you know, to have influence on someone is to point them in a direction, Right? That's what influence is. You're, you're pointing someone in a direction. And here's why it's important for us to look at this, you know, this, this theme of, of uh, a person of influence is a good follower. Because if influencing is pointing, well, then what direction do we point? Well, we point the direction that we're going. We point the direction that we're, that we're following. 
And a major part of Joshua's role as an influencer was to stand in the midst of all these, you know, the people of Israel. His, his you know, job really was to stand in the midst of them and all that they went through and to point to God. And, and what we'll see today is that uh, he was successful at that because he took steps to ensure that he kept his eyes on God. And it's the same uh, for you and I. We live in a world, I mean, just look at the last, what, three, four weeks. We live in a world of, of there's a lot of uh, chaos. There's a lot of confusion. If it isn't, you know, hurricanes and earthquakes or uh, economic uncertainty, uh, uncertainty, political uncertainty, we've got terrorism, we've got North Korea and all that's, all that's going on there. There is like this, uh, this, this growing anxiety, this growing question in people's hearts of who will lead us out of this mess or who will help us maneuver this mess. And as I was thinking about today and just this whole thing of being a, of a good follower, I, I, as I was you know, studying and, and this, this thought kept coming back to my mind. My dad used to sing this, it's part of a children's song, and he would uh, he would sing it to himself. And now as I've gotten older, I understand why he would do it. But the, the song was, uh, The Lord knows the way through the wilderness. All we have to do is follow. Right? Maybe you're, you're familiar with that. But when I look, and I'll be uh, selling. No, okay. But uh, follow. Okay. There, that's a big ending. That's what, you're, that's what was, we were missing there. But here's the thing. God has called us as his ambassadors to stand in the midst of fear and confusion, to stand in the midst of our families, to stand in the midst of our workmates or you know, fellow students, like wherever we live, the call in our lives as his ambassadors is to stand in that place and through what we say, but more importantly, through just through what we do, how we live our lives, to point to God. And that the, you know, in a sense that the song of our lives, the, the, the direction, that like where we point would be that song that, hey, everybody, the Lord knows the way through the wilderness, and all we have to do is, is follow him. So let's pray, and then we're going to jump into, uh, we'll be jumping all around Joshua today, but, uh, but let's pray. So Lord, I, um, I thank you for this series, and I, I pray that it is, um, I just pray that it's really impacting people. And what I mean is that it's, it's, it is awakening us to the, to the reality that, that you, it's as though you are making your appeal to people through us. Lord, that's a, that's a, a, a big, that's quite an assignment. And I pray today that you would come, way beyond my words, that you would come and just, you know what each one of us needs to step into uh, 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 just being more aware of our place in this world. And I, and I just welcome that work for each one of us. So just come have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Uh, so like I said, we'll be jumping around uh, the book of Joshua, but we're going to be starting in uh, chapter 1, actually right at the very beginning. And number one in your notes is this. A person of influence or people of influence are followers of God. Thank you, Captain Obvious. You're welcome, but here's what I mean, okay? Don't, stay with me. So Joshua 1, we're going to read verses uh, 1 to 5, says this. <clears throat> After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses my, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. 
Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we'll stop there. So I already said to influence is to point. And the direction that we point is whatever direction we're, we're following. And what I want to focus on in this fir- first point is that to follow is to submit. And the definition of a follower uh, uh, is a person who follows another in regard to their ideas or beliefs, a person who imitates, copies, or takes as a model or ideal. And, and so really what that's saying is to follow someone, it's not just movement, if you're following some, someone, you want to go where they go, where they go. You, wanna, you, know, you want to become like who they are. And, and what we see in, in this, uh, what we read there in Joshua, is it's, it's really, it's, it's God's commission. Hey, Josh, Moses is, is dead. Uh, you're up. Here's the job I have for you. Uh, but don't worry. I know that's a little overwhelming. Uh, but his promise, and really the, the, the encouragement to Joshua is, as I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you, Joshua. And another way to put that is, the same relationship I had with Moses, I'm going to have that kind of relationship with you, Joshua. And, you know, imagine being Joshua. Imagine being the aide of someone like Moses. You know, just getting to follow a guy like that around. And just to, you know, sort of be a fly on the wall with all the, if you're familiar with Moses, just these crazy, amazing encounters with God, etc. And But when I, I'm sure as Joshua heard these words, you know, as, as someone who most of his life has had a front row seat on the, on the life of Moses, who's had a front row seat to watch this relationship between Moses and God. And what he's seen over and over as he's observed Moses was this constant running to God. What he saw, and as you look at the life of Moses, he over and over <coughs> is, is running to God saying, help, I don't know what, do I, what to do. What do I do? What do I do, God? I mean, that's sort of the paraphrase, but you see that over and over, and Joshua saw that and over, over and over, and so for God to say to Joshua, here's your job, but don't worry, son, I'm going to be with you, it's kind of like a teacher saying, you know, sitting you down at the desk saying, here's the test, you have to write the test, but don't worry, I'm going to stay here with you. And here's the good news. I wrote the test. I know the answer. So all you need to do to, to pass this test, all you need to do is, is follow me. And, you know, think about this. A relationship with Jesus uh, starts with the phrase, come follow me, doesn't it? I mean, I look at this room and I know most of you, but wouldn't you say that you're a follower, a follower of Jesus today because at some point in your life, he came to you, and you know, it's, he, and, you know enter your name here. Come follow me. You know, and there may be people here today, you've never entered into a relationship with Jesus. And I think what, you know, and my prayer today is that you're going to hear his voice say, enter your name here. Come follow me. I mean, you look at the, uh, when Jesus, he's walking by the Sea of Galilee, and there's uh, Peter and Andrew and James and John, they're fishing or doing whatever fishermen do. And, uh, and he didn't yell out to him, hey, you guys want to, you know, go into a business uh, uh, relationship? You want to, like, 50-50, we could... He didn't yell that, did he? His invitation to those men, 
totally set the tone for the relationship. It was, hey, come and follow me, which right off the top really establishes I'm the leader, you're the follower. That's, that's, the, that's what a relationship with Jesus, that's what it means to be a Christian, means to be a follower of God. And the whole nature of following is, is submitting. And one of the challenges of our condition as human beings is that uh, we're not good at that, are we? We're not good at submitting. We're not good at following. And, uh, well, we are good at following. We're good at following our own desires, our own wants and, and, and appetites. But, but it, it's almost like, well, I don't think it is almost like. I think accurately, it's, we tend to treat God more like an app, right? I mean, I, I pull him out and I, and I go to him when he's going to make my life easier, right? Or when, uh, you know, I guess you could go a lot of places with that, but we'll just say that. But... Here's the thing. A person of influence is a good follower. What God has called us to is to point to him. Because what the world doesn't need is just another good idea. The world needs a savior. And so the call to follow Jesus is not adding an app to your life. It's allowing an entire new operating system to take control. Shout out to Apple. Any Apple nerds in the room? That's so awesome. But think about that. That's, that's what that invitation, come follow me, is. There's no, there's no room for, uh, like, can, we just, can we sort of go 50-50 or 80-20? Or, no. He's the leader. We're the follower. And what strengthened Joshua's ability to stand in the midst of the people and point to God was his constant submission to God. You're the leader. I'm the follower. That he lived in that place. And, and, you know, I'm not totally sure what was going on in Joshua's heart. But remember, and we're, now we're going to jump a little bit uh, further in the book of Joshua. But, they've, you know, they've all crossed over the Jordan River. And they're coming up on the city of Jericho. Right? And, and it's going to be the place of their first uh, battle in, in the promised land. And, and Joshua has this interaction, which I think it was God, just solidifying in this young leader's heart... Uh, the, the nature of their relationship. Jo, uh, Joshua 5.13 says this, Now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you for us or for our enemies? And let's stop there. Now, you know, I, this is one of, one of my favorite stories. Well, there's a lot of favorite, but this is for today. This is one of my favorite stories in the Bible because it's such a... You know, my mind just goes to a cool visual. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, Joshua is like, <clears throat> he's a warrior. I mean, he's a, he's a man of war. Yes, he jo- was Moses' aide, but he was a warrior. And I mean, so for him to come over this hill or however, it, you know, and he sees this guy standing out there with his sword drawn. And, you know, he would have been really buff because, you know, because they always are. But... Um, <clears throat> I don't know what that means, but let's keep going. But, but he, so he's a, everything's black and white. He's a military guy. You're either for us or against us. And just, you know, he approaches this guy. I would have gone, hey, let's get 50 guys to come with me. But he goes up there all by himself to confront this guy. Hey, hey, buddy, whose side are you on? Because if you're on my side, you better get behind me. But if you're on their side, you better get ready for a fight. And, you know, we don't know who this guy is exactly. Some, a lot of people believe that it was Jesus, right? And some people, it could have been, you know, another angelic figure. But either way, this man, this warrior, stood as a representative 
of God. And listen how he responds, responds to Joshua's question. Verse 14, he says, neither he replied, or neither he replied, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? And this guy says to Joshua, whose side? Whose side am I on? You got it wrong, son. I'm not on anybody's side. The better question is, whose side are you on? Who are you following? Who are you submitting to? And, I, and when, as I was going through, you know, prepping this week, I got to this point and I stopped. And I just, I had this, this thought come to my mind. If, <clears throat> if you had a, let's say Charles, his drone. If his drone followed me around all the time, if you filmed my week, if you filmed your week, what would it show? What would the evidence point to? Uh, you know, would it, would it show that you and I, that we're people under authority? Would it show that you and I, we're followers of God? Would the evidence of our lives be uh, that we have submitted to him, to the leader? Well, the honest answer would be there'd be some footage I'd love to keep. But there'd be a lot of footage I'd love to just beep, boop, hit the delete button. So we're in a, it's a process. But it, so then here's a better question. How do you know if you're growing in the area of submitting to God's authority in your life? How, how can we grow if, if, we're, if, he's, if it's come follow me, he's the leader and, and we want to follow him because we're, you know, the way, however we point is, how, is the direction we're following. How do we grow in that? And So let me throw this question at you. Is your tendency to call out to God only when your boat is sinking or are you increasingly calling out to God before you even build the boat? Does that make sense? Because my whole DVD series is, is built on that little. But if you want to grow as a follower, here's how you do it. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight. If you want to grow Right? If people of influence are good followers and you want to grow as a follower because you want the, 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 the influence of your life to be a strong pointing to God, the way we grow is we, you know, we take all the plans that we're making, all our thoughts and you know, all these different situations about relationships, about financial you know, decisions, about uh, careers and different pursuits that we have. We, we take them to grow, you just take them and you go before God and you say, before I do anything, what do you say? What's your plan? That's submitting. That's you and I taking the posture of, uh, you're the leader. I'm the follower. That's how you grow. That's how we grow as followers. So, so another question would be then, how do we know his plans? And this is going to take us to number two. Number two is, people of influence are followers of his word. Followers of his word. And like I've been saying, to influence is to point. We point in the direction we're following, and God's word helps us keep our focus on him, on the one we're following. And I, uh, <clears throat> I read a survey this week, uh, and it was online, so it's true. And uh, it said, and actually it was from the Barna Group. If you're familiar with the Barna Group, they do a lot of research, and they, you know, so it's a trusty source, but they said uh, 
and I believe this is in Protestant churches in the United States, that one in every five people who regularly attend church, and they didn't have any numbers with that, what that meant, but they said one in five people who regularly attend church never read their Bibles. And I thought, wow, wow. And he even went on to say uh, that that number is growing in a negative way now with millennials, with our younger generation. So way to go. No, <laughs> no, that's not nice. But that's, that's, that's staggering, isn't it? Or, or that's like a, a very sobering thought. And, and you know, I, I think many of us tend to treat the Bible like, like it's uh, an instruction manual. And what I mean is I, I am not, I mean, I know there's some guys in the church who are builders, and I'm jealous of people who can build things. And I, but I like to think I can do stuff like that. And, and so, you know, we'll, we have lots of furniture from Ikea, uh, uh, common sense if you're familiar with. But anyways, uh, I, and, and so many times, and I'm learning, actually my younger son is teaching me, Dad, stop, read the instructions. Because what I tend to do is I look at the picture, and all you have is an Allen wrench. How hard can it be? So I look at the, I look at the picture, and I just go at it. Oh, man. This, and then, you know, many times, I've come either halfway through the process or even to the end, and I've gone, huh, that, that just doesn't look like a chair. You know, it's like, and I'm not exaggerating, or there's been some times where I've finished, uh, I've literally finished it, and then turning, and they're going, well, I wonder where that piece goes, because it's done according, you know, but, and so what do we do? When, when it's not working out, it's not looking right, well, then I run to the manual. Then I go back, and what we tend to do is, you know, we, we're like that with God, we're like that with this whole, this whole Christian walk. We haven't taken the time to read the instructions. And so when things don't turn out, or they're not working out the way we think they should, we're, we're so quick to question the product. Right? Well, this doesn't work. Well, pff, look, I mean, we're so quick to question the product instead of addressing the, the fact that, well, maybe we're not following the instructions. Maybe we're not doing what he says to do, and therefore, you know, we're in this place. And, and so a, a person of influence uh, is a person who follows his word, and, and God makes this super clear uh, to Joshua. And this is now back to Joshua 1, verse 7. It says this, <clears throat> God says to Joshua, he says, Now be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips, Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then, if you do that, then you will be prosperous, prosperous and successful. And God's charge, and I think this is interesting. Originally, he said, hey, I'll be with you. But isn't that interesting that even though God says, I will be with you, it's still important for you to get this truth into you, right? Or the whole teacher picture. Even the teacher's right there going, I'm going to be with you and I'm going to help you, but you still need to study. You still need to get this, uh, to get it into you. And, and that Hebrew word for, for meditate, <clears throat> the word is uh, hagah, and it means to utter a sound, to moan, to mutter, the act of thoughtful deliberation with the implication of speaking to oneself. And one of the commentaries I read is basically that what that word means is to mutter under your breath, to mutter. To just be, you know, you know, keep this word, just keep it, just keep it flowing out of your mouth. And I thought, you know, isn't that, uh, uh, I mean, what do you do when, 
you're in a situation where you don't have a pen to write something down or you don't have Siri there to help you remember something, what do you do when you get an address or a phone number? What do you do? You say it out loud, don't you? Oh, you know, 264-7893, and, and I've already forgotten the last four numbers, but, but why do we do that? It's just something innate in us as human beings is that it's like we know that if I say it out loud and I hear it with my ears, it just seems to get into a deeper place. It seems to go deeper than, than just writing it down or, 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 or even uh, reading it. And, and so God is really driving this home with Joshua, meditate, but another way to put it would be uh, meditate on this word, Joshua, or memorize, memorize this word. Get it, get it into you. Get it uh, deep inside your heart because when we're talking about the Bible, when we're talking about God's word, this, this book is unlike any other book that exists. Uh, we don't have slides for these verses, but 2 Timothy 3.16 says that this, all these words are God-breathed. And when I see God breathing in the Bible, what do we see? We see him giving life. Well, I mean, Harry Potter is cool, but it can't do that, right? Uh, this book is alive, Hebrews 4.12. It's alive. I mean, when it's living and active, and I don't understand that because sometimes it certainly doesn't seem living and active. But this book is unique that you get to sit there with the author while you read it. I mean, that's, I, mean I would love to read Lord of the Rings with Tolkien sitting right beside me. Like, Let me tell you where I was going with this. And, you know, like that, to me, that would be like... Well, that'd be awesome. But we get to sit with the author. And then Matthew 4, 4, Jesus, remember when he was tempted and he said, uh, he quotes really, I think it's from Deuteronomy, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. You know what that tells us? That's, that's, that, we should take note of that, that you know what? Food is really good. And food fills part of who we are. But there is, there is a hunger inside of each one of us that can only be fed by the word of God. And you just think of our, uh, our consumption of God's word. Would you, would you only eat once a week? No, we eat every 10 minutes. Right? Would you, like it, it's, and it makes me question. I wonder if there's, if there's a lack of health in our lives because we aren't eating. We aren't eating well. So uh, God's word is like food. Uh, it's our guide. Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Right? This book is unlike any other book. Listen to this. This is Isaiah 26.3. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. How do you fix your thoughts on him? You get his word into you. You get his words rolling around your mind, and, and, and it will focus your thoughts on him. And so, you know, I think uh, years ago I remember... Uh, a lot of the worship songs we sang were called scripture songs. Do you remember that for some of you? Where literally they were scripture just put to music. And I think that was a great tool for us to memorize scripture. For the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, right? I mean, sing along if you know it. But, it's, but, it, but I know as a kid how I, most of the Bible verses I got into me were through songs. Well, we don't do that as much now, and I, I already challenged JT. He needs to write some songs about that, but, but let me get super practical because I, you know, I, I don't, yeah, just how do you start memorizing scripture? Because I'm sure for many of you, you're like, that just doesn't work for me. 
Uh, but here's, a, here's something that I would challenge you with. Take a three-by-five card. It has to be three-by-five. No, it doesn't. But take a card and just write a simple verse on it. So let's, let's say Proverbs 3.5. We've already looked at that this morning. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And take that card and put it by your bed. And tonight before you go to sleep, let the last thing that you do be you grab that card and read it. Uh, read out loud. Uh, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Good night. And then when you wake up tomorrow morning, once you're coherent, grab that card and read it out loud again. Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. Here's what I, I promise you. If you will do that, you're going to be surprised throughout the day. It's just that those words are going to be popping up over and over. I'm a huge uh, Dallas Willard fan, and, and I remember hearing once that Dallas Willard said he, uh, he has a practice where he, before he goes to sleep and, for, and before he wakes up, no, when he wakes up, because that would be tricky, but uh, he quotes the 23rd Psalm, and it's only six verses. It's a great song to learn. So, and so uh, early last year, I started doing that. So before... Uh, I'd go to sleep at night and in the morning. I wouldn't say it out loud in the morning because you do not wake my wife up. Uh, that would be a dangerous thing to do in the morning. The Lord is my poof. It would just be over real quick, right? I'd be, I'd, uh, yeah, that'd be a great picture. But, but, here's, but I've been doing that since early, early last year, and I am amazed. I'm amazed how those words not only, not only pop into my mind, into my thoughts, those words are on my lips, and what I mean is they just, they just come out. And, and again, in this whole thing of, you know, that people of influence are, 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 are followers of his word. Like those, I have found that God's word has helped me get refocused on the one that I'm following. There's turbulent times and I, and I found myself, you know, if I'm afraid or anxious about something, to, to just stop and say, the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need or I shall not want. Like, to me, that just centers me. It realigns me. You're the shepherd. I'm the lamb. I am lost without you. You're the provider. You're, you know how to maneuver through this mess. And you know, last, last week, I got to go visit this lady. Uh, <clears throat> uh, I'll call her Sally. She, she's in hospice. And she's not long for this world. And uh, um, when I went to see her, there's some physical pain, and that's hard, but, but even more challenging than the physical pain is she, she said to me that she is really struggling with her faith. She's been a follower of Jesus for many, many years, and now in the face of such a storm, it's, she feels like she's lost her bearings. She's lost her focus. And you know, it was just such a gift and such a, a place of authority. You know, to, to sit with this lady, hold her hand, and just say, Sally, you believe in Jesus, don't you? Yes, I do. I do. And I said, well, Sally, you know what God says to you? His word to you today, John 3.16, and I didn't say that to her, but I said his word to you today is, uh, because you believe in him, you're going to live forever. And you know what, Sally? Uh, because you believe in him, John 14.3 says, right now Jesus has, is there preparing a place just for you. And then I love this one. It's uh, 2 Corinthians 5.8. Do you realize, Sal Sally, when you breathe your last breath here, your next breath 
is going to be face to face with Jesus. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. And you know, that didn't take her physical pain away. But I know the storm settled. The word of God, you know, being a follower of his word, it refocused her on the one that she's following. And as as you and I grow, as we get the word into us, as you and I grow in that, grow in our understanding and experience of God's many promises, so grows our ability to speak peace into other people's storms. So, people of influence are followers of God, followers of his word, and we'll end with this, they're followers of his ways. Followers of his ways. Influence is to point. We point in the direction we're following. God's word keeps us focused on him, and what we'll end with is this, that God loves to influence through unlikely people. And now we're going to jump, uh, don't go there yet, but we're going to jump way back to the book of Numbers, and and there's just this story, and and I'll, I'll, I'll move quickly through the story, but... But in the story, there's, I think it's the, really the first time we're introduced to Joshua. But uh, in the story, you know, Joshua, in the eyes of Joshua, in the eyes really of the people of Israel, Moses is the man. And like Moses is the, 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 you know, the, the voice of God to them. And in this story, uh, and this happens a lot in Moses' life, he's gone to God and he's complaining. And he's, and, well, no, no, the people are complaining, and now Moses is going to God, and really he's complaining too, saying, Oy vey, I can't do this. I can't do this job on my own. And God says to him, basically he says, okay, Moses, pick 70 guys and have them come to you, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to take some of my spirit on you, and I'm going to put it on them, the ability to influence, the authority to influence, that they, that they too will be like a, a spokesman for me. And so in the story, you know, all these men, uh, well, not all of them, but most of them come, and I'll get to that, most of them come and they meet with Moses and God does what he said he would do. And, you know, he takes some of the, his spirit on Moses, puts it on these men, and what happens? These guys start prophesying. They start speaking the words of God. And meanwhile, there's two guys that got the invitation, but they hadn't checked their email, and they were sitting still in the camp. And when that was going on here, when the spirit of God came on those men, it came on those other men, too, who, were, who had been selected by Moses. And now in the camp, they're, boom, they're prophesying. And they're speaking the words of God. And Joshua, he hears about this, and he runs to Moses because he takes offense on Moses' behalf. Here's what he says. Numbers 11, verse 28 says this. Joshua, son of Nun, who had been Moses' aide since youth, spoke up and said, Moses, my Lord, stop them, referring to the two men. But Moses replied, are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. Now, you know, basically, Joshua and his immaturity and I think his love and respect for uh, Moses is going, Moses, you're the man. Like, you're the voice of God. You need to stop these guys, right? Because you're the guy. And, And Moses is basically saying, and really he's pointing to the future, He's saying, no, Joshua, you don't understand. This job is way bigger than any one man. And, and my wish, in, in fact, my wish, Joshua, is that God would pour out his spirit on all flesh. Well, did he get his wish? He did. In Acts chapter 2, God pours the spirit of God out on all of his followers. And, and, and so then what Joshua learned that day, what you know, got into his heart was God doesn't just use superstars. God wants to use 
everyone to speak through him. Right? He wants, so it's like, I mean, what, what came to mind was that, remember back in Acts chapter 4, where the Holy Spirit has fallen, and talk about influence, the disciples now filled with the Spirit of God are just turning Jerusalem upside down. That's some influence. They're pointing big time, like, you know, to Jesus. And, and, and the Sanhedrin, the, all the spiritual leaders, all the, you know, the big wigs are like, what are you guys doing? And they, they call them in. They're called before this, you know, this, this, this super influential group of leaders in Jerusalem. And, and, and Peter and John are called in. And, and you know, what, what, does, what didn't happen in that story, right? It's not like it pans up to heaven and God's going, oh, we, uh, who's going in to speak to the Sanhedrin? Right? We, got to, we need someone to go in and, and, and represent us in front of all these big wigs. Who have we got? And the angel goes, ah, uh, we got Peter and John. And it's not like God's in heaven going, Peter and John? Are you kidding me? Where's Moses? Oh, he's dead. Oh, well, he's not dead. You know what I mean? He's right behind you. Oh, but, but it's... <laughs> we need to video these, don't you think? But what's, what's he saying in that? Who does God use? It's like, oh, shoot, we don't have Moses. No, he uses who's there. Who have we got to use? We got Peter and John. Well, then we're, well I'm going to use Peter and John. And, and, and literally what happens is Peter, it says Peter filled with the Spirit, just whoosh, just is totally a vo- the, the voice of God. And, and these, all these, you know, uh, all these Pharisees, all these bigwigs, Acts 4.13 says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that these guys were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. And I'm like, look at who God chooses to use. He uses who's there, who's, <clears throat> who's available. And you know, that is one of the reasons why here at VCDC, we have a, one of our big values is to pray for one another. We always end, you know, whether it's a small group or a main service, we always end by praying for one another, one another. And it's one of the reasons why we don't have an official prayer team, right? We don't end the service with, could the prayer team please come forward? You know, here come the, they all have hats and, you know, it's like, <laughs> which would be pretty awesome, but... <clears throat> But you know why we don't have a, one of the reasons we don't have a, a, an official prayer team is we believe God can speak through all of you. Amen. Well, you say amen, but <laughs> I know there's a reluctance. Because there's, there's you know, there's, there's this sense of when we come into a prayer time, there's, you know, I think there's, a, there's this quick thought of, well, I can't do that. I'm unschooled. I'm just, I mean, you fill in the blank, what, your reason why you don't think God can speak with you. Or speak, sorry, speak through you. And you know, that's one of the reasons why our model, our model isn't, as people come forward for prayer, guys, pray for guys, gals for gals, come on up now, let's have people come up and solve all their problems. Let's have people come up and, and fix all their ailments. You know, all we're, all, all we're saying when we say come forward to pray is, come and stand with this brother or sister. Put a hand on their shoulder. You're not alone. I'm with you. That's powerful, just to have someone with you. And all we ask is, invite the Holy Spirit. He's the one that's at work. And all all you need to do is invite the Holy Spirit and then listen. And then say what he gives you to say. And you're like, well, there's the problem. I don't, I don't know, I don't hear God. 
Well, here's my, here's what I, my challenge and I, and I guess my guarantee. I promise you, if you will practice that, and one of the reasons why we take time to pray, it really is, as when we're together, this is a safe place where we can practice because we want to do this out there. We want, to take, we, want, we want to be a church that takes it home with us and to work with us and the ability to pray for someone. But here's what my guarantee is, if you will practice if you put yourself in that position of, oh boy, you know, of, of, of swinging the bat, here comes the ball, you know, it's like, ah, oh, I missed that one. But I guarantee if you'll practice, that you will start to recognize God's nudges in voice. And you know why I'm confident you'll get it? Because those are his ways, it's his plan. He has chosen to work through all of us. Right? He's not sitting there going, who's in Sunbury? Oh, we got all these people. Ah, oh, where's Moses? You know, it's like he doesn't look at it that way. We tend to look at it that way. We would rather the whatever. We would rather someone else do it when God's going. I mean, because here's the reality. When you go home and you're home, who's there? Moses isn't there. You're there. When you go to work, all those people that work that don't yet know Jesus, all those people that, he, that God wants to make his appeal through you, who's there? You're there. Moses isn't there. And on and on. All, and all the different situations we have in life. And here's, you know, and here's just really practically. Uh, uh, when we call people forward for prayer, whether there's three people up here or 30 people up here, if you're like, okay, okay, maybe I'll give it a try. What I would encourage you to do is, when we call people forward, and, and someone goes up to pray for someone, just go up there and observe. Just go watch and listen. And I, in the early days of the vineyard, I remember as a teenager, we were encouraged. When there was a ministry time, literally, we'd just be up there watching. And just watching. Because this was so crazy. It was so new. Well, I want to encourage you. Because I believe there's people here today, what God is saying to you is, you need to get in the game. You need to get in the game. And, and so, remember that, the, that God filled, his, filled you with his spirit, not just to work in you, but to work through you. So, people of influence are followers of God, followers of his word, and followers of his, way, his ways. Why don't we stand up? <clears throat> Let's just quiet ourselves. Uh, So Holy Spirit, you are here, and what an awesome thought, the same Spirit who, who worked through Peter and John when they were before the Sanhedrin, who empowered ordinary, uneducated men to be your spokespeople. That's, Holy Spirit, you're here with us today, and you get people you get our hesitations and fears and all those things. But I pray today that there would be like a, I don't know, like a, like a tipping point. Something would change in our hearts. An openness to, okay, okay, I'm afraid, I'm nervous, this is new territory, but okay. Uh, just lead on. I thank you that, that that call to come follow me, it's not just to enter a relationship with you, it's really how we continue a relationship with you. Tomorrow morning we'll wake up and that, that invitation will be there. Come follow me. So just come, Lord.
Come be personal. Open our ears to you. So I got a, a few, here's a few things coming to mind. One is, I, I guess it's that it's that getting over that hurdle of. Like, uh, really quickly, you remember at carnivals, that thing where you, you hit the sledgehammer and, it, and, it, and it, you know what I mean? Ding. You know, I have always wanted to do one of those, but I've never done it. Because I'm afraid, what if I, wah, 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 you know, you're a, whatever they call it, you know. But I feel like there's people here today that that's how you feel about prayer. And I just feel like the Lord is just saying, come on. And just, and really it's, he's, he's removing the fear of failure. And so, you know, if that's you, I'd, I, we want to pray for you. Um, I, also, I also had a sense that there's some people that, that uh, uh, you're bored with being a follower of Jesus. And what I mean is, is, it's like if you're at the ocean, you've been playing in the water up to your knees. It's like, been there, done that. And I saw Jesus was out in the waves, you know, the waves of his activity. And he was looking at you going, come on, come on out here. It's awesome out here. And I just feel like there's an invitation. You're, you're bored. And there's this thing, there's got to be more. And today he wants to show you there is more. There's lots more. And so that was number two. And then the third one was uh, during worship. I just had this thought that God wants to heal joints, joint pain, whether it's arthritis, uh, uh, whatever other conditions you get. I don't know. That's the only one I know. But if you're here today and have joint pain, we would love to pray for you. If you're here today and you're sick and have pain in any way, whether it's emotional, physical pain, we want to pray for you. So, uh, Naomi's going to lead us in a song, uh, and I just want to invite you up for prayer. And again, as people come forward, guys for guys, gals for gals, let today be the day that you step out of that fear and just come up and watch someone pray. But uh, come on up, and then we'll pray for you. All of my life Spirit. You can ask them what's going on, but let's make sure everyone has someone praying for them. Guys for guys, gals for gals. Uh, yeah, come on up.
We thank you for just all the ways you're coming close, and we do. Um, I really specifically bless just all the people that I just see you having a conversation with them. And it's kind of like, uh, so you, are you ready to try this? Are you, are you in? Or there's just this, uh, there's just a strong invitation from you today. I just bless that and I pray that even as we leave today that um, go back to just the busyness and all the routines I, I pray Lord that we would uh, we would just be more aware of your activity in us and through us Lord, remind us that that uh, that we're the people you want to use Lord it's your plan we just thank you for your presence we thank you for this time this morning and uh, pray you protect us and just uh, watch over us as we go in Jesus name amen hey well